Saturday. It was still dark outside when I drove to the Amy Mann Auditorium. My car filled with Lego models. We had put up the tables the day before, but only a few exhibitors from the core team had come in to set up their models. At this rate, many tables would, well, they'll remain empty. We'll have to spread out all the models so it doesn't look empty. I hope the others bring some bed sheets as the university's trestle tables look a bit shabby. It still feels like night. Yeah, but at least it's not freezing. Jim was a young AFOL who had flown down from Auckland. Jim's parent had only allowed him to fly down by himself if he could stay with another AFOL, as he was still underage. I had offered him the spare bedroom and picked him up from the airport the day before. Jim had bought a suitcase full of wonders, including a 1.5 metre tall black and red dragon. It was the first time that I had seen such amazing sculpturing work using Bionicle. Do you think more AFOLs will show up today? Oh, I hope so. We sent out another email reminder and Samuel and Ray have talked about it to a lot of people. I don't know why it's so hard to encourage them to exhibit. Is this a Kiwi culture thing? It could be. Kiwis don't usually boast about their achievements. A culture of modesty and understatement inherited from the Brits, I assume. I can't tell. I've never been to England. Another car was already parked and its cabin light was on. What are those two doing in that car? Looks like a father and his daughter. Must be cold in the car and they're two hours early. I'll talk to them. I parked the car and walked over to the other car. The young father was staring at his phone while his young blonde daughter flipped through the pages of a book. Good morning. Are you here for the Lego show? Uh, yeah, we thought we would come in early. It's going to be another two hours before we open and it's cold out here. Would, would you like to come inside? Uh, no, that's all right. No worries. Are you sure? Yes, we'll be fine here. Let me know if you need anything. Kiwis, never complain about anything. We leave it to the immigrants to complain about not complaining. That's very considerate and consistent. The doors were still locked, and I had to put down his box to take the phone from my pocket to call the security officer, who arrived a minute later to open the auditorium. This is your big day then, isn't it? Yes, let's hope it works out. My grandchildren are keen to come. How did they find out about our show? It was mentioned on the children's festival brochure. Oh, good on them. We'll be happy to have them. We walked into the darkness again. I used my phone as a flashlight to find the light switch for the two halls. On the right was the large square room where most of the models would be. On the left was a classical auditorium with seats and a stage. The area in front of the stage was large enough for some additional Lego activities and Ray had organised six large containers of bricks from Lego New Zealand that we had spread on the floor. The children could start building right away. A Mindstorms group had also announced themselves but had not yet set up. I started to set up my own table and tested the earthquake simulator I had borrowed from the Department of Civil Engineering. I had glued a Duplo base plate onto the shake platform and the children could build Duplo houses would then be disintegrated by a simulated earthquake. Given Christchurch's shaky history, this was a gamble, but I hoped that the children's pleasure from watching destruction would outweigh any earthquake trauma they might have had, or maybe it would be a good exposure therapy. Jim tested if his large dragon would survive a short shake on the trestle table. Its neck fell down. Maybe you need to keep the head up with fishing wire. You can easily attach it to the ceiling. There are beams up there and there's a hidden staircase. This room's used as a theatre, so they have all the stage rigging up there. But that's cheating. 
When you have children round, unexpected things will happen. They might touch it. I'll think about it. Morning. Oh, good morning, Roman and Samuel. Did you bring some more models? I brought some more to fill the gaps. Excellent. A large, bald, bearded man wearing sturdy shoes and shorts walked into the room. Now, what's a motorcycle gang member doing here? I mean, we really need to keep the doors closed for now. Hi, I'm Alan. I'm here to help. We've been in touch. I'm Samuel. Uh, this is Roman and Rob. Hello. Welcome to our show. Uh, did you bring any models? Do you, do you need a table? No, I left them down south. I might bring them up next time. How can I help? We have these signs over there that we need to put up on the street. Maybe you can figure out a way to mount them? I'm onto it. Do you have any tools? There's a theatre workshop behind that door. They even have power tools. I can handle those. This should work. Great. Thank you. Where did you find him? He's very active in the forums and on Trade Me. He's from Southland. Any help we can get is great. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, where can we set up the robotic competition? Oh, right this way. You must be Clay? I'm Samuel. We had contact via email. Hi, Samuel. Thanks for inviting us. Do you have some tables for us? Uh, sure. How many do you need? Oh, maybe six. We will have two teams competing, and we need to have two arenas for setup. Six? Oh, this is going to be great. Uh, yeah, let me, let me try to get them for you. Samuel and Clay walked off, and I returned to my table to finish off my models. More exhibitors entered the hall, and more tables were filled with wonderful creations. Curiosity took over, and I had to walk around to inspect the mocks. There were teddy bear-themed sleeping rooms, large Star Wars scenes, and Roman had set up a classic space scene. A man entered the room carrying three large boxes in front of himself. It was only when he put them down that we all recognised Peter. Peter, you made it. This is such great news. Oh, well, screw my colleagues. Let them have a laugh if they must. Maybe the universal admiration of the AFOLs and the general audience will make up for it. Lucia came round with a red T-shirts which we had the logo of the show printed on them. Here, you are going to be red shirts. But that means we're not going to be survive the next commercial break. Oh, be a man and put your laser to stun. Aye, aye, Captain. I put on the red T-shirt and continued my walk around the hall. Roman was instructing some volunteers in the entrance hall on how to handle the visitors and what the most frequent questions might be. Roman, look, there are already some visitors lining up. I know, the queue is growing constantly. I'll have another half hour to go. This is going to be good. Oh, you betcha. I hope the crowd barriers in front of the tables will hold them back. There will be collateral damage. I roamed around a bit more, helping here and there with all those little tasks that organising a show required. At 9am the doors opened and a wave of visitors washed into the two halls. Screams of excitement and joy filled the room and the parents had trouble holding their children back. After only 10 minutes the venue was packed with visitors promenading along the tables of mocks. The barriers in front of the tables moved ever so slightly with every excited child pointing out a detail. Look, Daddy, a motorcycle! And there, a train! The other exhibitors and I remained calm behind our tables and bathed in the excitement of the children and the wonder in their eyes. We answered the questions of the parents and the children patiently. After an hour, I felt exhausted and decided to have a look at the front hall. 
I walked along the back of the tables to reach the door, squeezed myself into the entrance hall, but couldn't get any further. The onslaught of prams, parents and children was just too strong. I manoeuvred along the walls until I made it to the front desk cashiers. This is insane. Where have all these people come from? I don't know, but they keep on coming. Can you go outside and check how long the queue is? Sure thing. Sorry, coming through. I walked down the stairs and saw that the line reached all the way to the next building. It had formed by itself. We had not put up any indicators or barriers. I followed the line, which continued along the footpath for another 50 metres until I reached its end. Oh my God, this is crazy. I don't think we have space for all these people. They'll have to wait. At least it isn't raining. I returned to the front desk. The queue goes all the way back to the car park. I'd say around 60 metres. We can't fit them in. We'll have to stop letting them in and only allow more people in when others leave. Well, that sounds like a good idea. We should also let the people in the queue know how long the wait will be. Maybe Alan can make some signs? I'll find him and ask for his help. We also need more help with handling all these people. We need at least two more people for the info desk. I can call Daisy, see if she can make it. Oh, that would be great. I've already called my sister-in-law as well. We are being overrun. Can you come to the show tomorrow and help? I can come in the morning. I ploughed my way through the masses until I found a red giant. Alan, we need some more signs indicating the waiting time. Like in other theme parks. If you stand here, then the waiting time is 30 minutes. Something like that. Coming right up. Alan disappeared back into the workshop and came back out with four signs, tape and cable ties. He had little trouble making his way through the crowd. I returned to my table and continued my duty. The flow of people did not stop and the crowd in the room generated so much heat that we had to open the fire exit doors to create a draft. Towards the end of the afternoon we were all completely drained, but happy. Once the last visitors had left, we gathered in the main hall. I hope you are all okay. This has been an overwhelming success. The queue was incredibly long, and parents waited for up to two hours to get into the exhibition. Two radio stations and one TV station reported on the event, so we might even get more visitors tomorrow. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Wonderful. I will see you in the, all in the morning. Be here at 8 a.m. to tidy up your exhibition and get ready for the day. Sir, yes, sir. Hey, Maki. Hey Rob, I just wanted to let you know the children and I will drop by tomorrow. Call me when you arrive. There is a super long queue. The girls also want to talk to you. Uh, put them on. Are you at the Lego show? Yes. I miss you. Poppy and I will come visit you tomorrow. Oh, that's great. I can't wait to show you all the models. Love you. Yeah, love you too. Sunday. Jim and I got up early, eating breakfast before we headed out again to the show. When we arrived at 8am, a long queue had already formed. Looks like the media coverage having an effect, but will we be able to handle it? There are only so many people we can let in at a time. I've got a terrible cold. When do you want me to come? <laughs> Stay home and get healthy. Francis and the others were already busy putting the crowd barrier back in place and replacing the batteries in the trains. A young man with a cardboard box pushed his way past the queue and towards the front desk. 
Hi, I'm Ken. I heard about the show on the radio and I brought some models. Any chance that could be useful to you? Hi, I'm Robert. Uh, let me have a look at what you have. Ken opened the box, revealing a collection of army helicopters, tanks and armoured vehicles. Now, this is something that LEGO does not do. They're amazing. Let me talk to Samuel to see if we can find a table for you. Come with me. We walked into the main hall and found Samuel adding some more models to his display. Samuel, may I introduce Ken? He's bought some incredible mocks. Do we still have a table? Yes. Oh, we had two no-shows yesterday. We stretched some models across their tables, but we can easily free one up. Oh, that would be great. Here, let me show you. Samuel and Ken walked over to a central table and while Samuel moved some scattered models to another table, Ken unboxed and carefully arranged a whole company. The new models caught the attention of other AFOLs who convened to welcome the new arrival. These are beautiful. Lots of hard work to get green bricks in there. And look at those capes and tents. They're certainly not from Lego. There's a small supplier in Melbourne who sells all sorts of printed fabrics. They also have a large collection of flax. Where do you get all those weapons from? That looks like an authentic World War II rifle. Uh, that would be from Brick Arms, an American supplier. They have all sorts of weapons and accessories, and their quality is much better than Megablocks. We'll get the door open in two minutes. Get ready for the flood. We all scattered to our own tables to make final adjustments. Alan's warning was no understatement. Within minutes, the halls were filled with excited children and their parents, the steady pressure of visitors keeping them all nailed to their tables. I gave up trying to recognise any faces until two beautiful girls stormed around my table and gave me a big hug. Daddy. Poppy, Camellia, also, thank you so much for coming. Here are the children. Have fun with them. I'll get a coffee. Uh, sure. I'm at the front. Can you come out? I froze. My tired brain was simulating all the possible scenarios of Daisy, Marky and the children in the same time and space. But Daisy's probably sick and only came to the show to show her commitment. She won't be in any condition to help me. I can just talk to her and send her home. Now Jim, wh where's the coffee truck? It's outside on the parking lot. Can you watch the girls for just a minute? Sure. Girls, I have to talk to somebody at the front desk. I'll be back in a jiffy, all right? Can we play with this Lego? Sure you can, I'll be back. I rushed to the front desk where I found Daisy waiting on the side of the entrance door. Hey Daisy, how are you? Pretty sick, but I promised I would help. Look, that's very kind of you, but it's okay, we'll manage. You should go home and get healthy. Okay then. But the show looks great. What a success. Yes, it's going well. Could I have a look? I froze again. It's too late to mention that Marky and the children are here. I should have told her that right at the start. It's very busy and Marky is out for a coffee. I can probably show her around quickly, staying clear of my table. It'll be a quick in and out. Hey, sure, let me show you some highlights. We walked into the main hall and I pointed out some amazing models. I stayed clear of my own table, but... Daisy saw Jim's great dragon. Oh, a dragon! That is so cool! She walked straight towards my table. A cold rush of panic filled me as I followed Daisy's lead. Soon as I approached Jim's table, the girls looked up to me. Uh, Daisy, this is Poppy and Camellia. 
Uh, oh. Hi there. In the crowd, I could make out Marky's face. She had a cup of coffee in her hand and walked towards us. And over there is Marky. Marky? Um, yeah, yes. I have to leave. Sure, it'll get better. I'll call you later. She didn't turn her head. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Can we see more Lego now? Okay, I can take the children now. Oh, thanks. Look, I have to tend to this table. Thanks for stopping by. Girls, have fun, all right? We will. This is so cool. Come on, Mummy, there's a teddy bear house. I watched them disappear into the crowd. My eyes were empty. Are you okay? Oh, well, I'm separated and I have two beautiful children. What can still happen to me? See, when you're young, you try to find your one true love and you intend to have children and stay together forever. I passed that stage. My marriage is broken and I have two amazing girls. If Daisy is my true one by five brick or not, it isn't so dramatic anymore. Nothing has been as dramatic as the separation. I can simply enjoy the relationship as long as it lasts. And is it going to last? I don't know. I'm tired of having to apologise for having a family. If she can't deal with my girls and the fact that I've been married, then, well, I can't help her. But maybe she will come round and it will be all right. Who knows? Life has become much more dynamic than it used to be. The masses streamed like a river along the tables. Visitors asking repeating sets of questions such as, where can I buy this set? Or how long did it take to build this? Suddenly I recognised a familiar face. Professor Dr Smith, you here? I'm working on an anthropological project. This is a field trip. Please continue with your native behaviour as if I was not present. I ignore you most of the time. And I'm grateful for that. And may I ask how your sorting project is coming along? It is completed. Did you sort them all? Oh, almost. I realised that the only way I could have peace of mind would be to sacrifice some of the bricks to go into a box for the children. I put some recent sets I bought for them in there. We now have a daddy's Lego and a girl's Lego. And does it work? They can play whenever they want with all their bricks and they can make as much of a mess with it as they like. It's their free play area. But when they want to build something specific, I often catch them going to my shelf. It's easier for them to find the right bricks there. That must drive you crazy. <laughs> I accepted that there will always be a little bit of noise and I sort the bricks back in the evening. I now have the patience to do this. The more important thing is that they play with Lego. And is your order, how you used to put it, uh, ideal? I have a much better understanding of what ideal means. And I do have the desire to make my system ideal. Aristotle was right. Humans have an innate propensity for organising the world around them into classes. Did you ever have a look at the book uh, Collecting an Unruly Passion? by Werner Munsterberger. Mm, haven't come across it yet. Munsterberger dives into the psychology that drives collectors, taking a classical psychoanalytic approach. You mean he's using Freud's theories and methods? Exactly. Collecting is giving me a sense of control in an uncertain environment. It is also a clinging on to my childhood. I can't explain it here in more detail. Have a look at the book. It covers a wide spectrum of collecting behaviour and maybe you'll find yourself in some of the case studies. I shall have a look at them. That book kind of gave me insights into why we sort, but not on the how. Everybody is sorting their socks, shirts and silverware. They do it without thinking, in dual process theory, 
This is considered the works of a System 1. Our brain is able to process information very quickly and economically using this system. It's almost automatic. So sorting bricks should be easy? As long as the complexity is low. Sorting three different bricks is easy, but when you have thousands of bricks you have to start using your system too, your rational system. It requires you to make features explicit and to derive rules that you then use when sorting. Then you still just end up with an order that may be ideal for you, but only for you. Well, making information explicit is the first step for being able to calculate solutions, but also for being able to communicate with others. The classification system we end up with might be artificial, but it will still enable us to function. I am able to find and order bricks at Bricklink. The classification system at Bricklink can hardly be considered ideal. It's a social consent born out of economic necessity. To be able to trade bricks you need to have a naming standard. You should also consider that this website is by far the most complete and up-to-date catalogue for bricks. The other inventory websites have fallen far behind. That is because there is nothing to do there. Bricklink fulfills a need. It's a platform that allows AFOLs to trade. We need it and therefore we update it. The other websites were an act of love, but it takes an enormous effort to keep up with the hundreds of sets that are being released each year. So you now believe in a social consent? Well, I see its benefits. The classification system at Bricklink may be clumsy, but at least the description of the bricks has been made explicit. I still haven't given up on the ideal. I know it's possible to calculate the best solution for a sorting order. Then why haven't you done it? Because it's hard. Well, these days I enjoy building with Lego, in particular with my girls, much more than sorting bricks. But just because I haven't calculated the ideal order is no proof that it doesn't exist. So you have given up on your research? I better understand my own limitations. My system too might be slightly faster than that of most others, but from an evolutionary perspective, it's still one of the most recent additions to our brain. And uh, we as humans can't be proud of it yet. I'm no exception. We struggle with thinking rationally or properly understanding probabilities. We are still fundamentally monkeys. I dare to differ. We are primates. Who share 98% of their genes with chimpanzees. We smell better. <laughs> Did you shower this morning? That's not the point of the discussion. My sorting order might not be ideal. Neither my research, my career or my relationships. I'm not an ideal father either. But classifications allow me to break down the overwhelming complexity of the world into something my poor little brain can handle. At least you have a passion for something. Most people live their lives in the comforting mediocrity of shopping. <laughs> the only problem of having a romance of any kind is that it leaves one so unromantic. characters and the actors who played them are as follows. Adam, Ian Mortensen, Alan, Kieran Atkinson, Ben Bailey, Daniel Humpage, Camille, Gray Kim, The Caretaker, Cat Forrester, Child, Kathleen Burns, Clay, Daniel Humpage, Daisy, Cat Forrester, The Father, Dimitri Gabara, Francis, Ian Mortensen, Hyle, 
Paul Johnson, Jim, Kieran Atkinson, Ken, Christoph Bartnick, Lucia, Kathleen Burns, Maki, Kathleen Burns, Mark, Dimitri Gabara, Mate, Paul Johnson, Matthew, Kieran Atkinson, Peter, Daniel Humpage, Poppy, Hannah Okada, Ray, Gray Kim, Robert, Ian Lester, Roman, Dimitri Gibara, Samuel, Paul Johnson, Secretary, Kat Forrester, Security Officer, Dimitri Gibara, and the waitress, Gray Kim. Lego is a trademark of the Lego Group, which does not sponsor, authorise or endorse this book. Thank you.